0: This is Jalen, and you're listening to the Firm Foundation Church Podcast, where you'll get weekly episodes featuring your favorite sermons straight from our in-person Sunday morning services. Check it out. So this morning, we're going to be doing a little bit different type of message and uh, how we wrap up and end today's service, because today is the fifth Sunday uh, of a month. And so anytime we have five Sundays inside of a month, something that we do as a church is we observe communion. We take communion together, we break bread, and we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and through his resurrection. And uh, and so today's the fifth Sunday. Uh, and so communion always looks a little bit different. Typically here, sometimes we do it during worship and it. Sometimes we do it at the end of the message. And, uh, and so today it's going to be quite a bit different than what we typically do because uh, for the first time in the four and a half years that I've been here, I'm actually going to preach a message that is geared towards communion. And my hope is that this is all kind of leading up and uh, to getting us ready to take communion together at the end of the service. And we're going to take some time to worship at the end as well to celebrate what God has done for us and And so that's what today's message is going to be kind of centered on. And so uh, at the Last Supper, we know that Jesus took the bread and he took the wine and he said what? Do this in remembrance of me. Um, if you've been in church for a little while, you've probably heard this phrase before. You've maybe even seen it written on a wall somewhere, on a table that would typically be used for the communion elements, but this is a phrase that we're all pretty familiar with, uh, and so I want us to talk a little bit about this and why Jesus instructed us to do this in remembrance of me. You know, it's hard to imagine that anybody could forget Jesus, and so was this his hope right here saying, please don't forget me. Please remember me. Uh, you know, I don't think this was the posture of Jesus as he made this statement. And so uh, I don't think you could forget him. Uh, once you had met him and so what specifically was jesus speaking to as he instructed his disciples and so uh uh, to remember and so what is this all kind of centered around and um, what does it mean to us today and so today we're going to be observing communion but before we do that i want to share some things from my heart to you to to begin to prepare us for that time as we take communion together because here's something i believe i believe that communion is powerful I believe that it's transformative. I believe that it creates closeness with the Father. And so I want us to to be able to encounter and experience that today. And so the title of today's message is Do This in Remembrance of Me. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your presence. Lord, we thank you so much for coming to meet with us. And Lord, we're thankful that your word declares that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are. And so Lord, we're here in your name, lifting up the name of Jesus in desiring you to come and move amongst us, oh God. Lord, would you come and speak your words of life to us? Lord, would you challenge us? Would you encourage us? Would you equip us for the life that you've called us to? And Lord, we are continuing to pray and posture ourselves in a way to receive a greater outpouring of your spirit. So would you come and move amongst us today in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. All right, turn over to Luke chapter 22. If you're not there yet, we're gonna read Part of this story, we're not going to read the whole story, but we're going to read a decent chunk of it as the disciples are sitting down with Jesus uh, at the Last Supper. And so this is going to, we're going to begin reading in verse 14 of Luke chapter 22, and we're going to go all the way to verse 30, all right. So hang in there with me. I know that can be a lot of scripture, a whole 26 verses, right? So hang in there with me, follow along and just pay attention to the story and um, how it's progressing. And so verse 14, it says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the son of man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays me? The disciples begin to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing. Then they begin to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them in the world, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. He's talking about that culture and our culture. For I am among you as one who serves. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat. And drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So here's the, this part of the story surrounding uh, the Lord's Supper, Communion, Holy Communion. You know, there's a lot of different words that you can use for it, but this is kind of the story of that last meal that Jesus has with his disciples before. Um, he is taken into captivity and, and beaten and later nailed to a cross. He dies there and is rose again from the grave so that, um, we too could overcome death, hell, and the grave and our sin and have a relationship with the Father. And so when I think about this story, it reminds me how incredible memory is. You know, memory is probably one of the greatest gifts that you and I have been given in this lifetime. Um I have some incredible Uh, memories, and as I look back at my times with the Lord, I can just look back on moments and in places where I experienced His presence in such a powerful, real way. Uh, I can look back in my marriage, and there's some of those milestones that I can look back and say those were memories that I want to hold on to and never forget as I think about the birth of all my kiddos and in different seasons that we've had with them, I've had some great memories. And uh, even as I think about close friends and in ministry and church life, uh, there's so So many great memories, and I'm so grateful for that gift of being able to look back and remember and say thank you, Lord, for those times. And so, if memory is one of the greatest gifts that's been given to us, what's maybe one of the hardest things, and maybe an area of loss that you and I could consider, would probably be like the loss of memory that would be something very difficult to, to lose. Uh, I know that can happen through some medical um, things that are, uh, that are caused in different people's brain and um, like Alzheimer's and different things like that, um, which my grandpa and a few others that I've known have gone through. And I know that's difficult on family and it's difficult for the individual. And, and so losing your memory is hard. Uh, you know, I, I've had moments, I don't have the greatest memory for those of you that are, are wondering. One thing that I cannot remember well is numbers. Uh, and so that's something that I forget often, and I'm so thankful for men like Chris Chupp who have that gift. And when I say, I think it's this amount of money, he's like, like, you were so far off. That's only 10% of the amount that we're actually looking at here. So, well, thank you, God, for Chris, right? I'm so thankful for those that can remember numbers, because I can't, um, and unfortunately— there's some memories that I've forgotten and don't remember. And as my wife have, has shared them with me or my kids have shared a moment that they remember, um, it was something special to them. And it bums me out when I can't remember those moments because it obviously marked their lives in a, in a significant way. And so losing memory, I think, is hard. And so all throughout the Bible, we see, um, we can observe that God calls his people to a constant place of remembrance. Uh, He didn't want them to forget the things that he had done in their lives. You know, and I think this is so easy for all of us to forget. Even inside of a week, can you look back and say, man, look what the Lord did here. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to identify that because we didn't take time to remember at the end of our day, at the end of our week and say, thank you, Lord, because you have been moving. Thank you, God, because you've been working. And so uh, we see in the Bible, God encourages people, don't forget me. Don't forget the wonderful things that I've done in your life. And so we see them do some things that I think are significant and that you and I could learn from this and maybe apply this to our own lives and family and situations. And, and so we see in the Old Testament that they set up memorials in stones as places of remembrance. Uh, They also set up annual celebrations and and festivities to celebrate God's amazing grace and and power and miraculous signs and wonders that he did among his people. And so God encourages us and he encouraged them uh, to do these things so that we don't forget what he's done, but he also tells us to set up these memorials and these times of celebration so that it's a teaching moment for the generations that are coming up behind us so that we can point back and say, hey, son, hey, daughter, hey, grandchildren, maybe even for some of us, we'll get to experience great-grandchildren. Let me tell you what God did in my life. And it's an opportunity for us to remember and celebrate. And if we're not taking time to do that, then what's the next generation gonna go up thinking? It's just a God that we worship on Sundays and he doesn't do much the rest of the week. But if we set up memorials, if we set up stones, things that we can go back to, to point them to, that will help us tell the generation of God's goodness and how he's miraculously moved in our life. And so here in the uh, the Lord's Supper, this last supper, Jesus instructs the disciples to continually observe communion so that it can remind them of what He's about to do, and they don't really even realize the significance of it just yet. And so he's teaching them something that they don't quite get and understand, but what God has done for us is, uh, through Jesus, is He' set us free from the power of sin that's in our life. We're all sinners. We need a savior. And so Jesus was the way, and he does not want us to forget that. And so surrounding this time of the Lord's Supper, of of communion, it was a significant celebration that was called the Passover celebration. And so this was something that was celebrated annually, and it was meant to remind the people of how God had delivered them out of Egypt. Uh, And so they had to take the blood of lambs, Uh, and they had to put it over the doorpost of their home so that when the death angel passed over, that them and their sons and daughters would be rescued and saved. But whoever didn't have that, they lost, I think it was the oldest son, if I'm remembering the story correctly, I didn't go back and study it this week, but they lost the oldest son in those families when the death angel passed over. And that was kind of the beginning of God leading his people out of Egypt. And so this was the Passover celebration that they said, man, look, what God did, how he delivered us from the hands of our enemies and gave us freedom. And so that was what what was happening here. But uh, something else that was happening in this moment is the disciples had no idea that this was going to be their last opportunity to celebrate uh, the Passover celebration with Jesus. I think if I went back and looked at this correctly, I believe this would have been the third Passover celebration that they celebrated with Jesus. And so they didn't realize that this would be their last. And so they didn't understand the fullness of that moment of really taking it in and experiencing it with Jesus. But because of Jesus' instruction to return to this, to do this in remembrance of me, you know, here we are today, centuries later, continuing to observe communion together as a body of Christ, as believers that have placed our faith in Jesus. And so what an incredible thing for hundreds and now thousands of years, the church has been taking time to not forget what Jesus has done for us. Now, I think it's important to note that this um, meal is meant for those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This isn't something we communicate every time that we uh, break bread together and observe communion, but this meal is meant for those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and that we've committed our lives to him. And so what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, to commit your life to him? And so I want to kind of lay this gospel message out for just a moment in case there's anyone here that doesn't understand what that means. I think it's important that we talk about that just for a moment. And so a lot of people have knowledge of Jesus, right? A lot of people understand that there's probably a God up there He probably does something. They don't fully understand him. He's up there somewhere above the clouds. And so there's a general knowledge of Jesus. Some people have a little bit more knowledge than others, but I think there's a lot of people that know that there probably is a God. Uh, And so a lot of people believe that there is a God. Um, Some people believe in Jesus. Some people have heard the stories maybe since childhood and they've recognized that Jesus is real. And so they believe in Jesus Uh, Some believe that he was born of the Virgin Mary. Some believe that he lived a sinless life. Uh, They believe that he was beaten, hung on a cross, died for our sins. And if you believe that he rose from the grave three days later, and if you know and believe that those things are true, then you understand the gospel message. You have an understanding and knowledge of what Jesus came to do and who he is and who he was but it can't stay there with knowledge and understanding. It's gotta take a turn to make it personal in your life. And so once you understand these things, then you'll know that there's an invitation out there for you. There's an invitation to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's when it begins to turn and we all have the opportunity of taking what we believe and making it personal in our lives. And so from that place, we recognize that we're sinners, And that it's our our sin that keeps us from the presence of God. It keeps us from having a relationship with God. And so the good news is that Jesus came to make a way uh, so that we don't have to be far away from the Lord, but we can have a close and intimate relationship with him. In fact, Scripture teaches of Abba, Father, Not just a father that's far away, but a father that's intimately involved in our life and uh, an intimate relationship that we have with him. And so we can have that uh, when we respond to this invitation. And so that's the good news that Jesus has made a way so that we can have closeness with the Lord. And so there's a free gift of salvation that's available to everyone. And this is something that Jesus did as he came and was beaten and died on a cross for us and was resurrected from the grave. And so because of what he's done, we recognize that we are sinners in need of a savior because our sin keeps us far away from him. We can never be good enough on our own to get anywhere near God. And so we have to thank Jesus for what he's done and receive that gift of salvation and place our faith in him so that we can have a relationship with Jesus. Now, I want you to understand something about faith. A lot of people make this decision, but not really understanding the consequences of it. And I use quotes here because there's no consequences into placing your faith in Jesus Christ. But it takes commitment and it takes trust and it takes sacrifice. You're giving up your life to give Jesus lordship in your life. So you no longer are in charge of your life, the directionality of your life, of what you do, of what you say, but you surrender your life to Jesus and say, you are number one. I believe, I maybe not understand everything in your word yet, but I will do my best to follow it for the rest of my life. Your teachings, I will observe. I will make part of who I am. And so that's the invitation when we place our faith in Jesus, we are saying, we commit our lives to you because you are the Lord of my life now. But if this is a personal decision you have to make. I, as your pastor, maybe not as a your pastor yet, as a friend or someone you know, cannot make that decision for you. I want as many people around me as possible to make that decision, but I can't force you to. I can't make it for you. It's something that you have to recognize in your own life and say, yes, I am choosing Jesus and I am making him Lord in my life. And so that's what this is all about. We're talking about being a Christian being a believer, being a follower of Jesus, this is kind of that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is laid out that you and I have the opportunity to respond to. And so communion is a meal that's meant to be observed by those who have made that decision, who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and are trusting him and making him Lord and Savior and friends and following him um, as closely as we can on a daily basis. And so I'm gonna come back to the significance of this later in just a moment and one of my application points. Um, but Jesus tells us to do this in remembrance of me. Now, Jesus wants us to return to this, to return to communion so that we can remember who he is and so that we can remember what he's done. And so why is that significant? Because we all too quickly forget And how many of you guys are quick to forget? Most of you go out these doors, get in your car, drive away, and you're like, "What did Pastor Blake preach about?" (laughs) Come on, Will. Come on, Will. Man, somebody pray for him. Somebody give him a note. Somebody give him a notebook. He's not writing it down. And some of you others aren't. That's why you're forgetting. (laughs) All right, we are all too easy to go to this place of forgetting what God has done, of missing it. And so uh, this is why this is significant because the disciples towards the end of this passage, we see that they forget the significance of what Jesus is saying because they start to argue. Well, who will be the greatest among us in God's kingdom? I think it's gonna be me. You see how I'm living my life over here? Peter, James, John, I've seen you. I've seen that flesh and I know I'm better. Like they started arguing among themselves as who's gonna be the best. And so immediately the disciples are in the process of taking communion with Jesus. And they start to argue. They're forgetting and missing the whole point of this. And so we too are that same way. Uh, And before we are too quick to jump to judgment here, we do it. Maybe we can be vulnerable enough to admit that to each other for just a moment, but we are quick to judgment. How how often do we get wrapped up in petty arguments that are meaningless, that aren't worth arguing about? You know, I've I've known some people that left a church because they made that decision. They looked at everybody around them and say, they're no good. I'm the greatest among all of these. They are just still baby Christians, but here I am mature. And so I'm too good for them. And so they leave a church and they, because they see this higher image of themselves, but they're missing it. Are they really better than everyone else if they have that kind of attitude? And I would like to submit to you, probably not. It's important that we don't let our pride take over. And personally, I can be this way. I can be so easy, if I am not paying attention to myself, if I'm not taking time to look at how I'm doing and how I'm responding, I can be quick to judgment. It's easy for me to look at others and say, man, look at all those things that are distracting them. Work, school, jobs, hobbies. I mean, you you can name it, right? There's a thousand, more than a thousand things that can distract us in this life. And so I can look at some people and say, why don't they see the distraction? They're missing it. They're missing it for their kids. They're missing it for their grandkids, whatever. And I know I can look at them and pass judgment. and I can look at my own life and say, well, here's things that I've committed my life to and other people aren't committed to. And so I'm obviously doing better. Anybody else like to admit that that can be you at times? Um, uh, That can be me if I'm not careful. Uh, And I, I know that there's a lot of you in here that aren't that way. And I'm so thankful to have you in my life. And so I want you to rub off on me and I want us to rub off on each other. And When we're quick to judge, let's shut that thing down, right? Let's be accountable to each other and say, hey, let's not let pride get in the way. Let's keep each other accountable. I think that's so important so that we don't get to those places. And so we're easily can get so wrapped up in so many things in our lives that we forget how God has been good. We can forget the goodness of God and the favor of God that is following us every day. But when you're focused on distractions, when you're focused on things that you're not meant to be looking at, you're gonna start asking questions, is God good? Are his promises true? Or is he a phony and a fake? We got to take time to remember. We got to take time to see how good he's been to us. There are so many people uh, inside of this when we are not paying attention to the goodness of God, it can lead us to a victim mentality. And we walk around and every time somebody comes up to us and say, how you doing, how you doing? We just start to talk about all the things that are going bad and wrong in our life. And we just constantly are in this place of being a victim. Life's against us, things are always hard. And hear me, I don't want you to ever be fake here. If you're struggling and not doing well, say so. Reach out, call someone, send a text message because we wanna be there for each other, but don't take on the victim mentality of where every day and every week is a hard struggle for you. Um, At some points, you should find victory. And And so this is what happens. Instead of expressing gratitude, we grumble. Instead of expressing gratitude, we grumble. But the whole purpose of communion is meant to bring us back into a deeper and more intimate level of partnership with the Lord so that the enemy is no longer running our lives and getting us distracted by all the other stuff. And so through communion, we take what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago. And through it, we get to experience its power today. When you look at communion, do you look at it that way or do you just look at it as a tradition and something that we do? I want you to understand that communion is powerful. And Jesus wants to experience his freedom today that's found through Jesus Christ. There is freedom for you today for those addictions, for those bad habits, for those wrong ways that you're going, for that offense and unforgiveness that you're carrying. There's freedom today in Jesus' name. But the whole purpose of communion, it's meant to bring us to that deeper level of partnership with the Lord. And so communion is a meal that holistically heals us. Communion protects us from destructive ways. Communion cleanses us of all of our sins. And communion rids offense, hurt, and disagreements. The broken body and blood of Jesus washes it all away. And so here's three points that I want you to grab a hold of as we're talking about communion. And know that we oftentimes will come back to these three core things when we talk about communion because this helps us to not forget what the purpose of it is. And so here's kind of the purpose of communion. It's meant for us to remember, to do this in remembrance of me, to remember Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. Remember, so here's what I want you to do for just a moment. I'm gonna remind you of some things. And so I want you to think about it. I want you to remember. I want you to visualize what Jesus has done for you just a moment. Maybe you need to close your eyes. Maybe you just need to listen really closely here. But I wanna help you remember for a moment, okay? So pay attention to this. Jesus was beaten for you. Remember that nails were driven into his hands and his feet for you. Remember the difficulty he had in breathing on the cross for you. Remember that he took his last breath hanging on the cross for you. And while he was doing it, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when Jesus did that, He did it with love in his eyes towards you. He didn't do it in the spirit of condemnation of look at these awful people and what they've done to me. He did it with love in his eyes towards you. He's loving. He bore all the sins of the world for you and for me there that day on Calvary. So here's the thing, you never, ever, 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 you're not getting it yet, ever have to question the Father's love for you. (laughs) You never, ever, ever, ever have to wonder, does he want to be close to me? because he gave up his son for you so that you can have relationship with the heavenly father. John 3, 16 and 17 tells us this truth. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, Pay attention to that, underline that in your Bible. That's not why Jesus came, to be judgy. But he came to save the world through him, through Jesus. And so doing this in remembrance of me requires us to take some time to remember what Jesus has done. Secondly, here's what it does. It's an opportunity for us to reflect. All of these are ours, okay? So hopefully it'll help you remember. Ta-da, Da da da. Got it? Remember, are. Our... So the second thing is we've got to reflect, all right? You're not into those puns yet this morning. All right, I got it, it's too early. All right, we reflect on our present relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why communion is important, is that we take time to reflect and to remember. And so where are you at in relationship with Jesus Christ? All right, I told you a moment ago that we're gonna come back to this because this is important. Uh, There's two things here. Communion is meant for those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, There's a whole story in 1 Corinthians 11. So this letter was written to the Corinthian church because they were doing communion wrong. And there is a big warning inside of this text that I don't want us to miss. And I don't have time to go and read the whole passage to you, but I would encourage you to go back to this and read it later on your own. But there's some issues surrounding communion that the body of believers is in the middle of. And so this letter has been written to them to correct them in that. And so let's see some of this for us, for ourselves, uh, beginning in verse 27 through verses 31 of 1 Corinthians 11. So anyone who eats this bread... Or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Guys, this is heavy. There's not many times you're gonna see in the New Testament, and this is probably actually the only instance of doing something. There's a warning being given, like if you're doing this, it could lead to death. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. We need to pay attention to that, right? And so there's a warning here inside of this text. And and so we need to take time to reflect on where is my heart today? We need to examine our life. And if there's unforgiveness or offense that we're holding on to, release it. If so, then you better forgive that person if you're carrying that offense and that hurt before you take communion today. You know, is there sin and bad habits that you just can't seem to get past? Then you better repent of those today before you take communion. And I want you to remember, repentance isn't feeling bad about what you've been doing. But repentance is the turning away from those things. I I, am in my... I in my in and of myself, I can say that for a moment, I in and of myself cannot overcome these things on my own. But that's why we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit because he's our helper. And even though me in my own ways can't get past this area of pride and judgment, right? There's just an example, I promise as your pastor, I'm not judging and that critical all the time. Uh, But if we can't get past those areas, then on our own that we need to invite Holy Spirit, help me to overcome We need to invite community and others around us to say, hey, help me overcome. And so repentance is the turning away. Now, I I personally, uh, this past week, have had to work through something uh, that I've been holding onto. There's an area of unforgiveness that I've been holding onto. And as I've been seeking the Lord early this week, I shared this with the elders yesterday when we were together, that the Lord has convicted me that it's time to release that person that you can no longer hold on to unforgiveness and be inside of my perfect will. And so Jesus allowed me to work through some things for a season, for a few weeks, but then he said, this, the early this week, he said, you gotta let go of that now. You're, you're preaching on communion. You're about to take communion. If you are holding that grudge, it won't go well for you. And so I'm here to encourage you today What is it that you're holding on and need to release into the hands of Jesus? Take some time to reflect right now and begin to examine your own heart and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those areas that you need to be made aware of and make a choice right now to surrender it to Jesus. If you're here and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've had knowledge of Him, but you've never surrendered your life to Him, don't take communion today until you make that choice. But here's the deal. At a moment, we're gonna give you that opportunity before we take communion to surrender your life to Jesus. And so that opportunity is ahead for you here in just this, in just a moment. But we need to make sure we heed the warning here. Don't just walk into communion without preparing your hearts, taking time to reflect and examining your lives. All right, point number three. It's a time of rejoicing. Communion is meant to be a time of rejoicing. We get to rejoice because Jesus is coming back again. And because I get to spend eternity with him in heaven. And all of this junk that we experience in our culture and in our life is going to be gone one day. And it's going to be beautiful when we get to live in eternity with Jesus. And so there is something to celebrate inside of community. Community isn't just meant to be this somber thing that we have to walk through and it's reflective and it's heavy and then we all walk out feeling sad. That's not what communion is meant for. Communion is meant for you to walk through some things that you need to walk through, but then we celebrate on the other side of it because we've been given freedom. We've been given hope. We've been given newness in life. And if you aren't walking in joy as a believer in Jesus Christ, you better check yourself. Because we are meant to operate in the fullness of Jesus Christ and, and reflect the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which Marissa uh, talked about this morning in our huddle message and joy, love and peace or some of those things that should be seen in our life. And so you better check yourself today and see where you're at because communion should bring this thing of rejoicing and celebrating what God has done. And so release the others so that you no longer have to carry those things. And, and, and what God wants to bring to you is closeness as we do communion together this morning. And so we should celebrate that. We should rejoice and we should be glad that we have a risen Savior, all right? So communion is meant for these three things. It's a time to remember, it's a time to reflect, and it's a time to rejoice. And so in closing, I wanna invite you to stand to your feet with me. And so we're gonna take some time here towards the end of the service to begin to prepare our hearts for communion we're going to set some time aside to remember we did that just together a moment ago as we worked through that point we need to take time to reflect and examine our lives and ask the the holy spirit to reveal anything in our life that shouldn't be there and then we need to take some time to rejoice once we're done with communion to say thank you lord for what it is that you've done for me in my life and so right there where you're at bow your head Close your eyes. In just a moment, Jalen's gonna lead us into a couple of songs of worship. And I want you to take some time to remember and to reflect and to begin this posture of rejoicing and thanking God for all it is that he's done. And so right there where you're at, we ask this question every single week. And I want you to ask this just between you and the Lord. Say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're saying to me? Holy Spirit, what is it that you're saying to me? Thanks for tuning in. If what you heard today was inspirational or transformative, tell us about it. We love your feedback. For more information on how you can get connected, check us out at firmfoundation.church.